0: Welcome to Upworth United Methodist Church. I'm Pastor Debbie Weatherspoon. This Sunday we had the word from Barry Kammer, an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ and a member of Arlington Community Church, UCC, nearby in Kensington. His message was titled, Abundant Life, Making Things Right. We celebrated and were inspired as we prayed together for peace and meditated on the song, What Does the Lord Require of You? This is our question that we are carrying in our hearts as we move toward our commitment toward reparations through supporting the Black Wealth Builders Fund and our commitment to our local church in our tithes and our offerings. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged as you move through this week.
1: Our scripture reading today is going to be from Leviticus 5:14 through 19 and Luke 19:1 through 10. The Lord said to Moses, when anyone is unfaithful to the Lord by sinning unintentionally in regard to any of the Lord's holy things, they are to bring the Lord a penalty of a ram from the flock, one without defect, and of the proper value in silver, you know, according to the sanctuary shekel. It is a guilt offering. They must make restitution for what they have failed to do in regard to the holy things. Pay an additional penalty of a fifth of its value and give it all to the priest. The priest will make atonement for them with the ram as a guilt offering and they will be forgiven. If anyone sins and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commands, even though they do not know it, they are guilty and will be held responsible. They are to bring to the priest, as a guilt offering, a ram from the flock, one without defect and of the proper value. In this way, the priest will make atonement for the wrong they have committed unintentionally, and they will be forgiven. It is a guilt offering. They have been guilty of wrongdoing against the Lord. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, unlike me, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. But at that time, all the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be with the guest of a sinner. (laughs) But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today's salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek.
2: Of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth you have for me. Open my eyes, illumine me, Spirit divine. I needed to walk down the aisle because it's not so much about words, it's about relationship. This is the a little bit above average sermon that I wrote over the last few weeks. Oh look, it's 12 pages long. (laughs) And then I woke up this morning at 5.48 a.m. stewing. Has it ever happened to you, Pastor Debbie? So the words I'm going to share with you may be a little less organized and sophisticated, but I'm hoping by now we have a little bit of relationship and you'll just love me anyway. (laughs) I'd like to thank Pastor Debbie. I didn't see Kim. Is Kim here? Oh, there you go. Good morning. I'd like to thank uh, Pastor Debbie and Kim for inviting me uh, to share some words with you. I Thank each of you because everybody that's uh, come to me today has shared a, a look or a word of welcome to me. So it's hard to feel like I'm a stranger in your midst. We, we, I already feel very comfortable and I've met two of your members that are UCC pastors. <clears throat> no wonder we can't find pastors. Pastor Debbie shared with me that this period of time that we're in right now, she's using abundant life as her theme. And when I was reflecting on the term abundant life, the first image that came to me, and most of you in the room are old enough to remember this, (coughs) is an old Italian mother pulling out this beautiful looking pizza, a Sicilian style sausage pizza from the oven and laying it steaming on the table and she says, Abundanza. Abundant. When I hear the word abundant life, I don't think of quantity. I don't think of lots. When I hear the term abundant life or abundant, I think enough, enough for me, enough for everybody. I reflect on the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and it wasn't that everybody was rolled over, stuffed to the gills. But by the end of that time with Jesus, everybody had had enough. I remember another phrase from the 1970s. If you were at all involved with the Civil Rights Movement or the Peace Movement, I shall never be fully free until all are free. I shall not enjoy abundant life until all people have enough. Abundant life isn't about how much for individuals It's about how to be community. It's about being in right relationship with everybody in your community, with all others in your community. It's about every member of our community having enough. It's about wanting justice and fairness for every member of our community. And it's about expanding our notion of community. We live in a society where the penultimate measurement is the individual, and it's the death of us. So we can say our community is everybody in my household, or everybody in my neighborhood, or everybody in my city or state. But I challenge us to continually expand our notion, our sense, our feeling of community until no one and nothing is left out. Abundant life is like sitting at a long table filled with people. Some of you know these people, you know some of them, you don't know some of them. But everybody's at your table and it's a very long table. Sitting at a long table Filled with food. Imagine your Thanksgiving table from time to time. Platters and bowls and plates filled with food. All the food has been eaten. And you and those around you sit back. This is my confession. You sit back and you rub your tummies. And you go, you could almost say this I can't eat. (laughs) You look up, and you see the guests at the far end of the table. And you notice that they have little or no food having been eaten at that end of the table. Their lives aren't so abundant, are they? And one of the reasons why they have had no food is because I and those around me toward the head of the table, toward this end of the table, ate until we could eat no more. And only occasionally might somebody look and realize that the people at the end of the table have little or no food at all. That there are hungry people in our community, that there are hungry people in our nation and that there are hungry people in our world is a cry for generosity and i know this congregation like mine at arlington community church we are notoriously generous people that we are responsible for some of the hunger by how much we eat is a cry for confession and repair. This morning's scriptures both spoke about how to live in a community, how to have abundant life in community. Being in God's great community is when you inflict hurt on somebody else. You own that and you make amends. After 35 years of pastoral counseling and pastoral psychotherapy, and Kim, you could confirm this with me, and after 73 years of life, I've learned that owning my mistakes my bad behavior, that owning the wrongs that I've inflicted on others and the wrong that's been inflicted in my name, that owning that is absolutely freeing. It is cause for a grounded life, a love-filled life, but we first have to own our actions, and when necessary, make amends. In 2021, when F- George Floyd was murdered in Minnesota, I called up a friend of mine, a black pastor, and I said, do you still have that Racist Anonymous program that you told me about two years ago and for which I gave you lip service? He said yes. And so he sent me the materials, and we started a Racist Anonymous group at Arlington Community Church in the middle of the pandemic on Zoom. In the midst of one of those Zoom meetings, a friend of mine, Susan Russell, in the context of a larger paragraph, used the term reparations. And then we all went about the meeting, we closed the meeting, went home to our own. And I went home And I stewed and I stewed and I stewed. I could not get reparations out of my head. If I were more evangelical, I'd say I was convicted. So I called Susan and I said, All right, you started something now. And we agreed that we would speak to each other on this topic once a month. So for several months we got on the phone and we talked and we shared and we prayed and we talked some more and we questioned and we came up with the question, what do we do? We can't just keep talking about this word. And so having spent 30 years in affordable housing and having some contacts in the uh, black community in Oakland, I did some exploration and it came to me through these contacts that one of the best ways to perform reparations in our community was to provide down payment assistance to first time black home buyers because it was the narrowing of the wealth gap in our communities, the increase of generational wealth in the black community that had one of the best chances of being successful reparations. So she looked at her assets and wrote a good sized check. And I looked at my assets and wrote a good sized check. And we asked Richmond Community Foundation to be the sponsors of our donor-advised fund. And I have to tell you, we were happy there. If it was just Susan and me doing this, we knew that we would be faithful to the call that we felt. But it was attractive to other people. We asked our church to sponsor it. Our church said yes, immediately. Months later we asked the United Church of Christ Northern California Nevada Conference to make this a conference-wide program. They said yes, almost unanimously. To date, we have helped 17 first-time black home-buying families to purchase their first house. We we didn't do it all. We just helped a little for each family. And we've spent almost $300,000. but the message I want to give you this morning is it doesn't start with money it doesn't start with a program for Susan and for me this is a spiritual transformation an opportunity that God and life has given us to own our participation in some of the the most wrongful acts in our country's history. I don't think I have ever intentionally hurt a black member of our society, or any member for that. For that uh. But I also realized that I went to schools that a lot of black people can't get into. I bought a home and discovered that most of my neighbors are white. I realized that a lot of racism in our country is meted out on a daily basis in my name and I'm offended I speak to you this morning because I offer you an opportunity if you haven't already done so, to explore a spiritual transformation that gives you an opportunity to live in your community, in our collective community, where we enjoy full and true Abundant life. And we can't have abundant life unless everybody has abundant life. Your church, your church leaders and I are inviting you to a great adventure. Again, going back to pastoral psychotherapy and the work that Kim does, we both know And if there are other psychotherapists in the room, you know that when we start looking at ourselves and believing differently and behaving differently, even though it's a damn lot of hard work, it's really, really fruitful. Because we now live in a more equal society, where abundant life is for everybody. So, I'm not asking you to participate in something that's gonna feel like a burden. I'm asking you to participate in something that's an adventure. It's a spiritual adventure of spiritual transformation where we, where I, get to feel more fair and more just to everybody at my end of the table and at the far end of the table. Courage is what it takes. Not a lot, but a little bit. Courage to look at the table where you sit, to see the far end of the table, to suspect that their hunger, their lack of enough, that most of us had to be sitting. That those of us sitting on the upside of the table have something to do with why the people on the other side of the table don't have food in their place. Or don't own a home or can't get good health care, or can't get a fair wage. How many of you growing up just like adventure? Raise your hand if you just like adventure, okay? That's all it takes. Let's try something new. Let's get into our faith even deeper. Let's try to build a community that's not this big but this big. Yeah. Courage to repair the damage. Courage to come into right relationship, not just with the person sitting next to you, with, but the people in your world that you don't know yet. Come, share this adventure with me, with your leaders, with each other and with people across this country that says abundant life only happens if everybody has it. Amen.
3: When Israel was in Egypt's land, let my people go. Oppressed so hard they could not stand. Let my people go. I'll smite your firstborn dead, let my people go, go down.